Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. Do you want to become part of the Buick Outdoors team, represent one of the best Northern BC YouTube channels, and help us grow? If you do, then check out our brand new online store. We have a bunch of new merch set up and ready to sell. We have everything from hats, shirts, sweaters, cups, mugs, backpacks, pillows, and the list goes on. It's also made for men, women, children, toddlers, and we even have something for your pets. We have several designs to choose from and a bunch of different colors and sizes. Head over to shop.spreadshirt.ca slash Outdoors to check it out. That's shop.spreadshirt.ca slash Buick Outdoors and join the team today. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors podcast. I'm your host Sheldon Marion and uh, it's September. It's definitely the start of another hunting season around here in the north. Uh, For us it kind of starts around August 23rd depending on what area you're in but now that we're into September uh, it's pretty well open everywhere now. Uh for me, this is the kind of the first time uh, in a long time that I'm actually not overly too excited about hunting season. Uh, just the amount of animals that are out here now and the amount of people. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. Uh, uh, the animal population is really down and then the number of hunters has skyrocketed, which is both good and bad, but it is what it is. Uh, last year we traveled for hunting and that didn't really pay out all that great uh but it was still a great good time uh so this year we're just kind of sticking around the house mainly sticking to chicken hunting and i got a bear tag in my pocket uh we'll be able to go after a bear too uh picked up a white tail and mule deer tag too but that's just kind of uh, that's just to kind of have it in my pocket really uh I had the opportunity to go to Alberta to do about a week-long archery elk hunt uh, with my uncle. But uh, after looking at how much it was going to cost just to go there and back and all the fees and stuff to get my out-of-province license and tags, uh, it was just going to be a little too expensive. I think everything all together just to get there to get my hunting license and tags and stuff it was going to be between like 700 to 800 dollars and then if i was able to get an elk uh in order to bring it back into bc you're not allowed any brain tissue or spinal column tissue uh just because they're worried about like the spread of cwd uh so then i'd have to pay for a butcher down there and then leave it for a week or two and then make a second trip kind of thing and then butchers they're anywhere between a dollar to a dollar fifty per pound and during hunting season some days uh you can't even get into a butcher so it was a bit of a risk like we could have just butchered it up ourselves as well but then uh might have had to just stay a few extra days kind of a thing but oh well uh at least uh this year you know there's there seems to be some chickens out uh, that we can hunt so that's always uh it's always a good thing. Picked up a new rifle from Dad uh, just a couple days ago. Took that out and uh, made sure it was sighted in. And then 
Uh, later that day, I took it out, took it on first chicken hunt there, and you'll see uh, when I put up that video, it's it's kind of funny. The first chicken shot missed. Second chicken, it took like six shots to get him. Third chicken took me like 20 minutes to find that sucker. He was up in a big spruce tree. He kept flying to the next tree, to the next tree, and ah, uh, oh well. It was it was a good start to the uh, to this year's chicken season. Anyways, it was pretty pretty comical. Uh, for us up here, we we basically have three uh, species of chickens that we can go after. We have the rough grouse, spruce grouse. And sharp tail, we do have blue grouse and dusky. Uh, they're, they're the same bird, just different name kind of thing. And then uh, up in the mountains, we have ptarmigan. But the blue grouse and ptarmigan, we I've I think I've shot one blue grouse before, and yeah, so it's not really a targeted species for us up here. For the most part, uh, it's rough grouse that we go after. Uh, we have quite a bit of spruce as well, and then the sharp tail. They're kind of uh, they're real hit and miss. Uh, the sharp tail. They're basically they live in cut blocks, and that's about it around here. Uh, with them too, you'll find them kind of just on the very edge of the road, kind of in the willows when they start to grow, and then the in the tall grasses and stuff and. With them, you got to be pretty sharp to get them. Uh, once as they get up and start flying, they're they're gone. They'll fly for like a mile or two, kind of a thing. Uh, one of the funnest ways to uh, hunt sharp tail for me was just to jump shoot them uh, before the cut blocks grow up overly too much. Like once as the willows are kind of like whatever a foot to three feet tall, it's a blast to go through there with the old single shot sixteen gauge. And uh, pretty well just walk through the cut walk with the dogs. And once the sharp tail jump up, they start to fly away. And you kind of pepper them with the old shotgun. But uh, now the cut block that I was doing that in, uh, it's a little too grown up now. Uh, those willows, I just drove through there the other day. And those willows are about 12 feet tall now. So, uh, yeah, there's no walking through that cut block anymore. But uh, we still got lots of spruce, lots of rough grouse. Uh the spruce grouse, they uh, they like to live in kind of like the low-lying swamp areas uh, where it's somewhat swampy and has real soft, mossy ground. has a lot of like low-bush cranberries. Uh, the swamp spruce, willows, alders, all that kind of real thick stuff. They just love living in there. And then... Uh, for the rough grouse, uh, they like kind of like the thick willows, kind of open poplars or aspen, whatever you want to call them. Uh, lots of cranberry patches uh, in the birch thickets and the poplar trees. You'll find them in there a lot. Uh, they like to cruise through them and uh, eat the cranberries. And then once the cranberries are gone, they'll uh, they'll switch over to the clover and grasses and stuff. But uh, We'll get into that later on here. Uh, yeah, so for us this year, our main priority really is just chicken hunting. Uh, there's not enough moose around for me to justify uh, even buying a, a tag for them. I, I went to backcountry the other day, picked up my deer tags, 
didn't buy an elk tag and I didn't buy a moose tag. I could have bought an elk tag. There's enough elk around that uh, I feel pretty comfortable hunting them. But uh, I, I don't know. This year I'm just kind of relaxing and taking her easy. And for you all just hanging out, working on videos, getting everything edited up, uh, going out just with the dogs or with the woman there and have nice evening drives and shoot a chicken or two and just pretty well the first time that I've never really gone all out and it's kind of nice you know it it's relaxing and I'm not waking up at four in the morning and then hunting until 11 at night kind of a thing so uh yeah so far the fall's off to a good start I didn't think I'd enjoy kind of sort of not hunting but uh it's it's been nice haven't really done a whole lot, but, uh, yeah, I'm still enjoying myself. Uh, but with chicken hunting, uh, I mean, if you made this far on the podcast, so turn it off. I might as well talk about chicken hunting, see now that's what we're going to be doing this year. And basically what I like to do is I just road hunt for chickens for the most part. You know, the odd time I walk for them, but not very often. Uh, pretty well, I mean, I think that's part of the... Uh, the enjoyment of it is you can just hop into your truck with you and some kids or your dogs by yourself, whatever. You can listen to music, listen to a podcast, uh, whatever. And, you know, I just, I like to drive like 15, 20 kilometers an hour down the road. Uh, Lots of times the windows roll down so you can hear them when they kind of run off. Uh, You know, it, a lot of times they're hard to spot and see, but if you kind of know what to look for, it makes it a little bit easier. Because, like, in nature there's no perfect uh, shapes. There's no straight lines. There's no perfect circles and stuff. So when I'm driving and I'm looking into the ditches and stuff and in, in at the base of willow trees and at the base of spruce trees, a lot of times I'm looking for the round head or the sharp beak, the round eye, or the perfect lines in their tail. Because their tails, they come out like a V. So they have perfect straight lines on both sides, and you'll see them just kind of sitting there standing straight up. And also, when they move, if you look around nature, like when the wind's blowing and stuff, you'll see the the branches, they kind of have like a fluid motion. They They don't really jar. They just slowly move back and forth or with a chicken every time they take a step and their head moves it doesn't have a fluid motion it kind of snaps into place same thing when their tail moves it doesn't you know kind of rock back and forth you can see it kind of flicker so when you see those weird flickering movements and stuff you know you kind of train your eye to that and you can pick up on their movements uh real quick uh also right now being september it's the early season so the chickens they kind of tend to be by themselves right now uh if you see one there might be one to three others kind of a thing uh most times too in the early season if there is others with it there's a good chance it's a hen with her springs chicks so you can get more than one but they're going to be slightly smaller 
intel kind of later on in the year you know give it another month and you won't be able to tell the difference between a spring chick and one that's two or three years old uh in the late season though like uh late season being october they they bundle up like crazy if you see one there's usually gonna be like five to twenty uh kicking around either on the road with it or just on the sides of the road in the ditches up in the treetops they're kind of they kind of go everywhere uh a lot of times too when they are kind of bunched up or if you're like me you just miss the odd time <laughs> when they they'll fly off and a lot of times a spruce or a rough grouse they're not gonna fly far uh if you're going after a sharp tail and it flies off, you can watch that thing fly for a mile. Like, it'll go clear across a cut block and you won't catch up to him. But, uh, for the rough and the spruce grouse, when they fly off, usually like 50 yards max is as far as they'll go. And you can kind of watch, uh, when they kind of start to backpedal, I guess what you could call it. Kind of like what a duck does when they're first coming into a pond. They're just about to land. You can tell when a chicken's going to land in the top of a tree or down on the ground just by them backpedaling. Basically, once they start to fly up, if they kind of put their feet out and they start to... Uh, it's hard to explain. You can tell when they're about to land. So when they fly off into a tree, they're going to land into a tree. When they start to backpedal... They slowly come down because they don't want to come crashing down into the dirt. Uh, but then it kind of gives you a good idea of where to look. And like I said, usually 50 yards max. A lot of times they just kind of fly up and they go into the next tree. Whether it's 10 yards away, 20 yards, whatever. Sometimes they even just jump straight up kind of a thing. But yeah, they're they're pretty easy to to spot. Uh, if you can't see them, a lot of times you'll be able to hear them. Uh, they kind of have two calls. One's kind of like a distress call saying that there's kind of like a predator in the area. And it's, it's almost like a mixture of like a hiccup and a water drop. Uh, I was just hunting the other day and I had one doing it to me. So if... Uh, I'll I'll look over the the footage of that hunt and if I can hear it I'll see uh, I'll try to put it into the podcast and kind of crank it up for you guys so you can hear it. Uh, if you don't hear anything, right about now. Chances are I didn't get it on the GoPro. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there other call that they do is kind of like a location call it's like a really long drawn out burr so it's kind of like a and you hear that as they're just kind of ah, they just kind of cruise through the grass and the base of spruce trees they kind of do that little noise and uh you know i've even had chickens respond to me by just walking through the trees and sort of kind of making that noise, you know, like what I just did, just going, and, uh, yeah, the odd time, as crazy as it sounds, the odd time you do get one that'll kind of respond back to you, so it's kind of, kind of nifty to give themselves away, and then pretty, 
pretty well. You just kind of look for them for the movements or for those perfect shapes. Because uh, the movements and the shapes, they're, uh, they're not natural, you know. And then uh, one good way to kind of get better at hunting chickens too is honestly hunt them without a gun. Hunt them with a piece of paper and a pen or your phone out. And just kind of take notes. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you can apply that to kind of anything that you hunt too. Whether it's deer, elk, moose, whatever. You have to know their body language. You have to know where they go. You have to know what they do in stressful situations. Especially if you end up spooking one off. If you've done your research, you can pretty well tell where they're going to go and how they're going to do it if you've researched them enough and it, it sounds like a lot of work to hunt chickens but there's lots of times where I come back to the house with my full limit of 10 chickens and other people you know they got one or two but that's because they don't do the steps that I do they don't really get out of the truck and walk into the trees after uh, missing a chicken or whatever they shoot one and they just grab it throw it in the truck and keep going kind of a thing uh but yeah if you're if you're walking through the trees there and you're kind of hunting them without a gun basically uh just take mental notes and write things down uh you know pay attention to the weather the time of year ground conditions temperatures your surroundings you know like in september it's really windy for the most part. Uh, it's really windy. There's not a lot of blueberries left. You can find some, but for the most part, they're gone. Uh, the cranberries, they'll still be hanging out until uh, pretty well the last week of September. But for the most part, they're still there. Uh, Weather-wise, you know, it's usually kind of cold in the mornings kind of chilly in the evenings and then it's still pretty hot during the afternoon so i just kind of take take notes of when you see them uh the time of day kind of thing and the temperature and then that way too if you look at the if you look at the weather and it says yeah tomorrow it's going to be 24 degrees during the day but minus one at night you know that you're going to have a pretty decent evening hunt or if it says it's going to be 14 degrees during the day and whatever minus two at night you know that you can hunt them all day long because they're going to be out uh but being september again their main food supply is going to be cranberries where they're nice and soft still so if you want to hunt them you're going to have to hunt them in cranberry patches maybe where there's some rose hips but usually the rose hips they don't go after them until about october when they're kind of Pretty well getting desperate, basically. Uh, but yeah, uh, September too, it can be, it can be wet at times. Uh, also with the with the wind, everything hunts chickens, and so when when it's windy out, everything moves. When you see a chicken on the road, that poor little thing. He is just completely scared out of his mind. Because every single blade of grass, every single branch is moving. Everything above him, beside him, below him. Everything is moving. Uh, 
And unfortunately for him, he has uh, predators that come from all angles. So while he's out and about doing his thing, tree branches above him move, so he thinks an owl or hawk's coming in. The willows beside him move, so he thinks <laughs> a lynx is coming after him. The tall grass moves, so he thinks a weasel or a mink is coming after him. And then you show up in your pickup, and you get out, and you're 20 yards away, and you're fumbling with your 22 <laughs> or whatever. They're not going to stick around long. So a lot of times, if it's a real windy day and they happen to be out, you kind of got to stay back just a little bit instead of shooting at them from 20 yards. You're better off shooting at them from like 30 to 40 yards because if you try getting any closer, uh, for the most part, they're not going to stick around. They're they're already skittish, and uh, yeah, they're they're not going to want to stay there for you. Uh, but then uh, also in September, there's still those cranberries, like I said, growing. So they're not really going to be out on the road all that much because the cranberries, uh, they have a little bit of grit in them. They have the seeds in them. And then also cranberries are extremely soft, so they really don't need a lot of help to grind it up in their gizzard and stuff. So they, they'll still come out on the road a little bit to get some grit and sand and stuff for uh, for in their gizzard to grind it all up. But for the most part, they, they're they not going to be on the roads. Uh, so when you're hunting in September, it's best to go after them in uh, in the berry patches that you know of. And even in some blueberry patches, like the first week of September... There's still some blueberries, but uh, that also determines, or, you know, it depends on if you had a hard frost yet or not. Usually once you have one or two, like, good frosts, the blueberries are done. They're, they're out of here. They shrivel up and they get just rock hard and they fall off. So then you're kind of wasting your time going after them in the uh, blueberries, but... Cranberries, they're they're a little tougher than blueberries, so you'll find them in there till you know the second or third week of September. And if you've had a warm September, you might even be able to hunt them in there in October. Uh, but it it's all weather related, and that's kind of going back to what I was saying before: is taking notes. If you take mental notes on all this stuff for years, like I have, you kind of start to pick up after a little while on uh, weather conditions and, and berries and the way that the chickens react and all that good stuff. Uh, if it's wet too, uh, chickens are kind of, they're kind of like women with fancy shoes. You know, if, if it's, uh, if it's wet and muddy, the chickens aren't going to take their fancy shoes out and get them into the muck. Right, so a lot of times if it rains and I'm just strictly chicken hunting, I'm not going to go that day. It's going to be a waste of time. You're not going to see a lot. Like I have got chickens on wet days, but for the most part, it's it's basically a waste of your time to go out, just hang out at the house or in the holiday trailer or whatever that day and just kind of relax, you know get caught up on something play game cards or whatever um you like you can do it but then uh yeah there's not a whole lot out uh october is by far the best time to hunt chickens 
Typically, the wind has calmed down quite a bit. The ground is covered with dry leaves. Uh, there's not a whole lot of berries left. There's the odd, there's the odd cranberry just barely sticking on to that branch. Where when you touch the branch, the berry falls off, kind of a thing. Uh, so and with that, it, it just makes hunting chickens so much easier. Because now they're concentrated on the roads and in the ditches. They're eating the clovers that are growing. Not the flowers, but the leaves themselves. They're eating rose buds. And with that stuff, they need a lot of grit. Because all the grasses and leaves, they're extremely fibrous and real tough. Like if you grab a berry, put it between your fingers, squish it, and kind of roll it around. You can see that it just turns up. You know, it just disintegrates. It turns into just mush. And pretty well, you're making poor man's jelly with no sugar kind of thing. Or if you do that with grass, you're, you're just going to keep rolling it and rolling it and rolling it. And eventually all you're going to do is pretty well dye your fingers green and that leaf isn't really going to uh, break up. But then if you put in some grit, dirt, and gravel... You start doing that, and pretty soon everything gets churned up and chewed up and stuff. And then that way, the chickens are able to eat it, right? Uh, so when they're doing that, they need that grit. They need the gravel. So they're going to be on the road quite a bit. And then also when they're doing that, they're usually in groups of like 5 to 20. And uh, it makes it pretty easy to hunt them. Pretty well drive up the road doing that same, you know, 15 to 20 kilometers an hour. I like to keep my windows rolled down because a lot of times the amount of chickens that I've shot, the majority of them have honestly been in the ditch. I'll be driving down the road with the windows rolled down and when they run through those leaves, uh, they don't really pick up their feet. Well, they do, but I mean, you look at chickens' legs, they're, you know, an inch long so for them to take a step they pick up their foot like a half an inch so when they go through all those leaves you'll hear them you'll hear a very very distinctive so when you hear that you just dynamite the brakes turn your truck off get out walk around and then pretty soon when you're walking around you'll hear them doing their or they might fly off and land up into a tree go out you shoot that one you hear three or four others running through the trees, you know, that it's a very, very distinctive noise. Once you hear it once, it'll be just cemented in your head. You'll know exactly what that noise is every time that you hear it. And it makes hunting them so much easier. Plus, you don't really have to search for them. They're in big flocks. A lot of times on the road, if they're not on the road, they're right there in the ditch you know five ten feet from you kind of a thing and when they take off they typically don't go very far you know if especially if they run if they run you know they go 15 yards and stop and when they stop they usually stop with their back towards you so their tail is up and fanned out or it's kind of flickering back and forth a little bit and they turn their head when they turn their head, you can see their head, you can see their beak, you can see that perfect round eye of theirs. Or they start to walk, and when they walk, 
they kind of keep their tail up and spread open. And then when they take a step, their head kind of bops back and forth. So it's the poor chicken. Like <laughs> if they just walked in there, stopped and just sat down, they would disappear. They got some of the best camouflage there is. But because they're so scared or whatever the case may be, they just can't stop moving. Once they move, they make a noise. It's so easy to see them. So the poor buggers, they kind of put themselves in quite the predicament. And uh, what I like to use to hunt chickens is my favorite. Uh, I don't know. It changes every year. The one year it was the old 16 gauge. For the most part, like I started with the 22. I still use a 22 last year. I mainly used my 17 HMR. This year, uh, I don't know. I might go back and forth. Who knows? I might even break down, go down, buy a new shotgun, get a little 20 gauge and try that out. I I really don't know. I kind of surprise myself sometimes. Uh, but usually we use a 22 and I shoot them in the head. If you shoot them anywhere else, it's just the, the waste of the meat. Some people say uh, just shoot them in the center just so you can get one. But for me, I would rather just become a better shot. If you can't shoot them in the head with the twenty-two, use a shotgun. Uh, aim high. So you... Like when I use my shotgun, what I'll do is I'll put the bead right on their head. And then I pick the barrel up a little bit so their head disappears. And then when I shoot... 90% of the pellets go soaring above that chicken's head. Like, it's a complete miss. But there is the last little 10% of pellets. And basically, when I clean out my chickens, you can see that, like, maybe three pellets actually hit the bird. Like, when I say, like, above the head, like, you're, you're going above the head where it's... You basically purposely miss but you still get them and uh that way too you don't get anything you don't get any pellets in the breast or anything like that with the 22 if you happen to hit them a little low in the neck you can still salvage quite a bit of meat uh some people hit them right directly square in the in the chest and when you do that there's some bloodshot uh you lose quite a bit of meat and i don't really like doing that and then if you hit them really low, like in the guts, as soon as you pull the trigger, you can tell. the Just the sound of that impact is off. It's like a, I don't know, it's not a thump. It's more like a cushioned whack. You know, it's a boom. And when it happens, they just sit down. They don't go anywhere. They just, you can tell instantly. And I don't like doing that, you know, that's a lot of pain and suffering for the little chicken, even though it is just a chicken kind of a thing. I like to smack them in the head, so and it just lights out. Uh, every once in a while, if you hit them in the neck kind of a thing, uh, doesn't quite kill them. Or if you hit them kind of like in the base of their beak, I've done that a couple of times. And what I've started doing probably about five or six years ago now, is after I get a chicken, even if I hit them directly square in the head, I still pull their heads off. Because there's been quite a few times 
Unfortunately, it was before I started filming everything, where me and Dad would go out, we'd get our limited chickens, <laughs> and we'd just take them, throw them into the box of the truck, and at the end, we'd start cleaning our chickens, and every once in a while, you'd reach out into the truck to grab a chicken, that dirty sucker, he'd get up and fly away. The one he bounced up, ricocheted off one of our heads there. I think it was Dad It hit right square in the head and over the side of the truck, hit the ditch and got up and then flew off. And That was that chicken's lucky day. <laughs> it's funny how little stories like that kind of stick with you. But, uh, yeah, the twenty-two uh, is not is not a bad gun to use. Plus, it's it's cheap to buy a twenty-two. It's cheap to shoot. Uh, you know, like these gun reviews that I've been doing for 22s, they've all been like Savage Arms, Browning, Marlin. You can pretty well buy the rifle for like $300. Uh, I think Savage makes ones that are about $219 or something like that. Uh, that's the... Savage Mark II. That's the one that I actually started with when I was a kid. Got that as a Christmas present. And they're a great little rifle. Especially for 200 bucks. You can't go wrong with that. But you buy the gun for two or $300. Sometimes four. You buy just a cheap Simmons or Bushnell. Three to nine by 32 scope. Slap that on there for 50 bucks. You buy a brick of Blazers or American Eagle or CCIs for... Uh, what is it? I think my my blazers were like thirty five dollars, and the American Eagle were like forty bucks, or maybe it was thirty. Either way, it is not much, and you get five hundred bullets. You know, you can take that thing out and shoot all day long and not make a dent in your bullets. And even if you shoot the entire brick, just go up down, spend another thirty bucks, buy another five hundred rounds, you're good to go. And then with the twenty two, uh the bullets are heavy enough where they'll still ricochet off of branches and stuff like that, but for the most part, if you're shooting through grass, it ain't gonna ricochet all that much. It might move a little bit, but it's going slow and it's a heavy bullet. So it just it kinda powers through that stuff where with the seventeen, uh if you take the seventeen route you know, the guns themselves, it's the same as like the twenty twos. You can get one for three to four hundred dollars. The same scope costs you, you know, that fifty bucks. Well, fifty two hundred we'll say. And then uh the bullets are a little bit more money though, for twenty dollars give or take, you'll get fifty rounds. And that's like your typical CCIs kind of a thing, you know, nothing nothing special. So to shoot it well, to get started, it's the same, but then to shoot it, it's a little bit more money. And then also, because it's such a tiny bullet, and it's moving so fast, if you're shooting them on a wide-open road, it's great. It's, it's one of the best chicken guns you'll ever get. You sight it in at 25 yards, and you can shoot it up to about 75 yards. Once you get to 100 yards, you aim just slightly higher and you can still smack chickens in the head with it at 100 yards because i did it last year uh more than more than once so it's definitely definitely doable uh 
the only problem is with it being such a light bullet moving so fast is when you start getting into well where chickens typically live in tall grass or in willows or in tree branches and stuff the slightest little bit that's in the way it'll ricochet that bullet like by a lot uh same thing with the wind wind doesn't really affect 22 bullets that much like it will push a little bit but i mean really you're shooting a chicken at 25 to 30 yards if there's wind it's it's your bullet's not traveling far enough to really be pushed where at the 17 it's such a light bullet any variable makes it so it's just not exactly accurate on paper during a nice calm day it's great but if it's raining if it's windy if you're shooting through grasses branches whatever then it's not so good uh but with that being said last year that's the only one i packed with my 17 and i shot a pile of chickens so don't let that kind of turn you away from shooting a 17 if you're wanting to carry one this year uh, it's definitely a great option uh for my if i'm going to be using a shotgun that's a bit of a different story i uh, there is a lot of companies now that make little single shot shotguns uh little brake barrels uh anywhere between like two to five hundred dollars kind of a thing uh the cost of bullets uh, give me two seconds. I'll tell you here. I'll grab my box of bullets right here. So this one here. This is Federal Target Load. Uh, 12 gauge. 7.5 shot. 1 ounce. Uh, what are these? 2 and 3 quarter. You know, it's $8 for these target loads. And you get 25 shots. So for eight bucks, twenty-five. I mean, and really with a shotgun, you don't have to sight it in. Just using the bead on there, it's perfectly fine the way it is when you buy it. But for eight dollars, you get twenty-five rounds. I'll buy, I don't know, three or four boxes of them. Typically, what ends up happening is I buy two or three boxes. I'll go through one. The other ones will sit here in the house up on the shelf. Next year, I go out, buy two or three more boxes, do the same thing. Eventually, you end up having like six boxes of 12 gauge shells just laying around everywhere. This one was on my desk right here beside me. <laughs> but I got a box in here. I got a box or two in the holiday trailer. I got one or two in the Ranger. I got one in the pickup. Yeah. I got to stop buying shotgun shells. But. It's one of those things, you know, they're $8 if you happen to be in your sporting store or whatever. And even during the summer, it's like, eh, picking up some fishing lures or whatever. And I'll buy a box of shotgun shells while I'm here. I'm going to use them eventually. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when you're, when you're using a shotgun for chickens, I wouldn't suggest using a 12-gauge. It's, it's hugely overkill. Uh, you can, you can choke them down, but then if you have a full choke and you aim a, just slightly lower, you get nothing but a pile of feathers from your chicken. If you aim just a little too high, you miss. 
And then if you use one of the other chokes, like the modified and what's the other one? Improved. It, pretty soon you're you're almost too spread out. Where if you aim high, you pull the trigger, and a few of the pellets still smack them kind of in the guts almost. So it's, uh, I don't know, 12 gauge is just a little too much, especially for how close you shoot them. Uh, my favorite is the 16 gauge. Uh, it, there's enough pellets and power to blow through a <laughs> great big willow thicket and still get your chicken. And then it's a good uh, it's a good range gun too. Uh, mine is just a smooth bore though too. Like there's no chokes in it at all, so that that definitely probably uh, does something with it. I don't really I'm not much of a shotgun shooter, so when it comes to like the choke sizes and stuff, I, I'm not the best guy to be talking to about that. Uh, I've used a 410 before. I have, I own one of them. Uh, I don't really like that. I know a lot of people, they say it's great for a kid's gun to get them into it, but really, I think for a kid's gun, like get a 20-gauge or a 28-gauge if you want to use a shotgun on them. That 410, to me, was pretty well useless. Uh, you have to be so close for the pellets not to go absolutely everywhere. Uh I shot one chicken, another one was up the road, and I hit them both. You know, I was aiming for the guy down below, I pulled the trigger, the one up top folded too. So it's like, yeah, once those pellets come out of the barrel, they just, yeah, this the spread is huge on them. And you're almost guaranteed to get pellets in the breast meat after every time you shoot, and I don't like that at all. I don't like to sit down and have to pick out pellets uh after every hunt kind of a thing it's pretty tedious work and i don't i don't really enjoy doing that uh with the shotguns though uh i would definitely buy a 20 gauge they they kind of seem to be the most popular kind of a thing uh 28 gauge they seem to be somewhat popular but because they're kind of like the the off size, kind of like a 16 gauge, how they're like, they're still around, but they're not very popular, then the price of bullets starts to go up, because they're not really, it's almost like a specialty order, almost, you know, so, uh, yeah, instead of being $8, they'll be, whatever, 10 or $12, kind of a thing, but even then, even if it was, you know, 12 bucks for 25 yeah, that's alright, if you're shooting chickens anyways because usually it's one shot per bird uh if you're going after like goose or duck it wouldn't be that great uh you end up going through a lot more bullets uh going after geese and duck but uh yeah that's something i haven't uh actually really done much i just seen lots of guys do it and i've watched quite a few videos but uh that's something i'd be definitely interested in doing but uh I don't know, maybe that'll be another year or two down the road we can uh, get into that style of hunting. But uh, you guys, I think that is going to be it for today. Uh, hope you kind of take something away from this. You head out and start shooting some chickens. 
pick your kid or your woman, your dogs, whatever. Just get out there, get after some chickens. Uh, also on our YouTube channel today, we hit 850 subscribers. Uh, we're getting real close to the 1,000 subscribers. Uh, if you're just listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, we'd really appreciate it if you went over to YouTube and subscribed to our channel. It's just called Buick Outdoors. Uh, once as we hit 1,000 subscribers, then we're able to uh, apply for the YouTube Partnership Program and turn this into potentially a career uh, and start getting paid. Also, once as we hit 1,000 subscribers, uh, I'm going to give away one of our Buick Outdoor sweaters from our online store. Uh, if you want to check out the online store, I'll leave a link in the description below for you to check out. Uh, also, if you go on to our Buick Outdoors Facebook page, right at the very top, you'll see it's pinned to the top. You can click on that link, and that'll take you to the store as well. We got a bunch of t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, sweaters, hoodies, men, women's, kids, infants, water bottles, whatever. You know, uh, go and check that out. And if you guys want me to add anything to that store, uh, just send me a message on either Instagram or Facebook, and uh, I'll see what I can do. Uh, there is a pile of stuff I can choose from to add to that store. Uh, so yeah, please reach out. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, also, give us a rating on the podcast there if you're listening to it. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, like the video. Maybe leave us a comment or two. Subscribe to the channel. And uh, yeah. That's all, guys. Catch you on the next one.